Join host Michael G. Cartwright for searching conversations with UND faculty and staff about our common future. On June 19, 1865, word reached the community in Texas that they were free. The following year, these former slaves gathered at the AME Church in Galveston to celebrate the good news of freedom. That occasion became known as Juneteenth. This past June 19th, the president, cabinet, and provost council challenged the campus to live into a new sense of responsibility. Our campus will continue to explore all that this might yet mean, but already we know that it entails being honest with ourselves. On June 19, 2021, the University of Indianapolis will celebrate Juneteenth. In the meantime, each month, our colleague Michael will talk with members of the UND community. Join us, Juneteenth Conversations. We look forward to sharing with you there. Today, Michael Cartwright and I are talking about how to cultivate Juneteenth imaginations. Michael, how have you found inspiration for developing a Juneteenth imagination? Amber, I find the studio arts and spoken word to be very evocative when it comes to Juneteenth. For example, I recently discovered the bas-relief wooden sculpture by Robert Wood Ames, an Illinois sculptor and attorney. The Freedom Now mural is a 72-foot uh, wooden mural expressing social and political sentiments about the experiences of African Americans across 400 years of American history. This eight-foot by nine-foot Freedom Now mural is on permanent display in Chicago at the Disabled Museum of African American History. It's impossible to do it justice on an audio podcast, but I encourage listeners to Google it and spend some time looking at the segments as well as the work as a whole. I think you'll agree with me that it's a very evocative image of the black freedom struggle. In my mind, the work of Robert Witt Ames is fused with the words of Howard Thurman. Thurman wrote a poem which was read on the occasion of the installation of the sculpture at an, at an exhibit in Boston, Massachusetts in 1976. Thurman was a great Christian mystic and founder of the House of Prayer for All Nations. He also was chaplain at Boston University when Martin Luther King Jr. was a seminarian there. In Thurman's autobiography, he reflects on viewing the coast of Africa, which was written in 1917 when he made his first pilgrimage to West Africa. Listen to a few lines from this remarkable poem prayer. Oh, my fathers, what was it like to be stripped of all supports of life save the beating of the heart and the ebb and flow of fetid air in the lungs? In a strange moment when you suddenly caught your breath, did some intimation from the future give your spirits a hint of promise? In the darkness, did you hear the silent feet of your children beating a melody of freedom to words you would never know? In a land where your bones be warmed again in the depths of the cold earth in which you would sleep, unknown, unrealized, and alone. Here Thurman poses a question to the ancestors 
Did you hear the silent feet of your children beating a melody of freedom to words you would never know? To anticipate celebrating Juneteenth, I believe, is to rethink how we locate ourselves as fellow UND employees in relation to questions of racism and especially slavery. Among other things, we have the opportunity to consider what it must have been like to be in the company of African-Americans when they heard the news they were no longer slaves. I grew up in a family where Juneteenth was a holiday that we and our friends celebrated. I remember when I was a child, we would all look forward to that day in June when we would go down to a high school football field and there would be artists and entertainers that came from around our country to entertain us on Juneteenth. Every summer, we look forward to it. We would buy clothes, outfits. We talked about what we were gonna do. And the largest station in our state put on a celebration wherein people from all over the state came to Little Rock, Arkansas to celebrate Juneteenth. Now, I am sure that there are plenty of people on our campus who aren't familiar with historical events associated with this celebration. As early as 1866, the African-American citizens of Galveston, Texas, began to develop customs based on celebrating this holiday. One of those was to remember their enslaved ancestors. Those of us who don't share that heritage of race can nevertheless recognize that part of what we do share is a national heritage of neglect. Juneteenth sensibility is to imagine the slaves who were imagining generations yet unborn who would celebrate freedom. The historical moment of June 19th 1865, when a group of African Americans in the streets of Galveston first heard the proclamation is hard to grasp. They could not have known that this was going to happen. And yet, like their ancestors, they hoped. And then they celebrated the challenge of living into that new prospect and seizing the opportunities that it symbolized. Michael, which of the African-American spirituals would you call to the attention of our colleagues as they begin thinking about celebrating Juneteenth? Many of the African-American spirituals are saturated with image and metaphor that display what I think of as a Juneteenth sensibility. But the one that I think makes the point most directly is I got a right to the tree of life. This was first uh, captured as an Alabama freedom song collected during the Great Depression by the Works Progress Administration when they sent out ethnomusicologists to collect spirituals from um, freed slaves. I got a right, you got a right. We've all got a right to the tree of life. In this particular song, people who might very well have heard the Juneteenth Declaration sing with determination that they will claim the sustenance that is made possible by the tree of life given by God. Now consider this prospect with me. What does it mean that for several centuries in this land, enslaved African-Americans were taught to read the Bible as if they did not 
have a right to the tree of life in the sense of freedom for self-determination. I'm not sure how to take in the knowledge, quite honestly, that in the 1840s, members of my extended family in rural North Carolina and South Carolina were slaveholders. In the year 2020, though, I can join the affirmation that Black Lives Matter and people of color are all part of the human family, and we've all got a right to the tree of life. There are many other examples of music that speak to the biblical jubilee theme of release from captivity. Michael, which secular songs come to your mind when you think of our Juneteenth celebration? Amber, anyone who knows me knows that I'm not uh, well versed in the wider range of popular culture, but even I know the famous example of Bob Marley's redemption song. The lyrics go like this. Old pirates, yes, they rob I, sold I to the merchant ships. Minutes after they took I from the bottomless pit, but my hand was made strong by the hand of the Almighty. We forward in this generation triumphantly. Although I know Bob Marley is the person who penned the lines to Redemption Song, when I hear the words, I always hear the voice of Aisha Khalil's cover of that song. Aisha Khalil is part of the women's acapella group, Sweet Honey in the Rock, and she sings this song with relentless energy and passion. Here are the lyrics to the latter part of the song. Won't you help to sing these songs of freedom? Cause all I ever have are redemption songs, redemption songs. Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. Have no fear for atomic energy cause none of them can stop the time. In these lyrics, Marcus Garvey's words, emancipate yourselves from mental slavery none but ourselves can free our minds, are used by Bob Marley as a way of uh, registering the agency, the important self-determination of freed slaves, freed Afro-Caribbean peoples. The song concludes with, how long shall they kill our prophets while we stand aside and look? Uh, Some say it's just a part of it. We got to fulfill the book. Won't you help to sing these songs of freedom? Because all I ever have, redemption songs, redemption songs, redemption songs. I would agree with fans of Bob Marley's reggae music that his signature song, Redemption Song, is about many things. Indeed, it signifies in multiple directions. But I also dare say that it is, at bottom, a song about Jubilee, the, celebrate, the celebration of Black freedom or as the lyrics put it, it's a redemption song. And as such, I think it's a wonderful song for those of us at UND to consider as we make our way toward the university's first celebration of Juneteenth in 2021. Michael, what else do you think we can do to express our Juneteenth imaginations? Amber, I have great admiration for the folks in our arts and design department, and I'm looking forward to the kinds of things that students and colleagues create once we actually get started with our planning. 
In the meantime, I also want to call our attention to one of the people who comes from what I call the convocation of our predecessors. By that, I mean examples of people from our past at the university who have something to teach us. In this case, I particularly have in mind people of color associated with our campus in previous decades who can inspire our own attempts to develop a Juneteenth imagination. Let's begin by reminding ourselves of the persons whose lives we have already commemorated here at UND. In 1986, Mary Street's name was dedicated to the grill section of the campus food court in the Switzer Student Center. As many alumni can attest, Mary Streets was more than a food service worker. She was a dispenser of advice and a mother figure to lonely and discouraged students, as well as a cheerleader and supportive companion in the struggle of young men and young women to reach young adulthood. In 2013, the residence hall was named for the brothers George and Ray Crow. The Crow brothers were star athletes from Franklin, Indiana, but we also know that Ray Crow was an important figure in the civil rights struggle in the 1950s, as well as the iconic coach of the famous Crispus Attucks team that won the basketball state championship in 1956. Floribel Williams Wilson, who lived from 1927 to 1981, was the first African-American faculty member and longtime director of the Craner Memorial Library at the university. She would be my nominee for the university leader who demonstrated remarkable leadership on campus during a career that lasted almost a quarter of a century, during which time Indiana Central University moved from de facto segregation to a more vigilant stance about inclusivity. Mrs. Wilson's practice of inviting students to learn to tell the whole story about race in Indiana history is an important example for us. And she was careful to mentor students and staff alike in habits of inclusion. She kept her eyes on the prize of freedom. She reminded herself and others that it was important to tell the whole story. She focused on mentoring students in some of the same ways that she had been mentored. And whether her employees were black or white, she challenged them to approach their work in an inclusive spirit. Suppose in Juneteenth 2021, we give the inaugural award to the employee whose students think has done the most to cultivate inclusive kindness at UND. We might name it the Flora Wilson Award. That would be the 39th anniversary of Mrs. Wilson's retirement, a nice moment as we begin our 40th year after Floribel's departure from campus. And I submit it would be a good way to remind ourselves of one of the great leaders of our campus, a person whose work was good precisely because it was careful, because it was created out of love and profound respect for this campus, its faculty, staff, and students. Amber, I can think of no one who embodies inclusive kindness better than Mrs. Wilson, as she preferred that faculty, staff, and students call her. That language was not used for this purpose during the period in which she served as director of the library, but I think it serves as an appropriate lens 
through which we can see the integrity of Flora Bell Wilson's life and work as a proud alumna and longtime university employee. If you think that this is a good idea and you are interested in helping figure out this possibility, please feel free to contact one of us. Once again, thank you for joining us for Juneteenth Conversations.